Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's always good to be in the house of God. And I, like Pastor said, am expecting great things. To see God do great, miraculous things. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 21, and we'll be looking at verses 12 through 16. And uh, as you're turning there, uh, just wanted to say that the enemy has really been fighting. I, I know I say that every time I get up here, but he always fights me when I'm, I'm about to preach or say a word, but he has really been just fighting, especially my children with illness. They've been sick the last three weeks, and this is the first time we've actually had all of them out in service in the last three weeks because that the enemy is doing his best to try and stop the Lord from working in us and through us, but he's not going to prevail. If you have Matthew 21, verse 12, say amen. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased, and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And I'm going to read that verse again. And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou perfected praise? Today I want to preach the message uh, simply entitled, The Mouth of Babes. And I have preached the message with this same title before many, many years ago. And uh, the Lord kind of uh, hijacked my idea for a sermon and kind of redid the whole thing. I had a completely different idea that I'd been studying for the last three months and was preparing to give it to you. And then the Lord just kind of took me a different direction. Uh, I will just tell you up front that this message was inspired by a dream that I had this week. Uh, and I'll be sharing about it a little bit later in the message. But I really want to enter into the presence of God and enlist his aid in speaking this word. The Lord wants to do something miraculous here today. Uh, for those of you who heard the last message I preached about in regards to deliverance, it was called Vine is the Kingdom. Uh, the Lord wants to do something similar in here today, but with a different demographic, I guess you could say, a different group of people. But I want you to ready your hearts and minds for what God is wanting to do in this place today. Let us pray. Father, we just right now we yield ourselves to you. We surrender everything over to you. God, the arm of flesh can do nothing. God, man can do nothing. That only you, Lord Jesus, only through your power and your grace, that souls can be saved and people can be delivered. And right now, Lord Jesus, we call upon you. We call upon you, O Lord Jesus, in this desperate hour to intervene, O God, to meet us in this place to bring healing to those that are brokenhearted, to bring, oh God, restitution and restoration to those who have been traumatized and those who have been victimized. 
Father, I pray, let your loving spirit even now go across this congregation and even reach through the airways, oh God, even through the streaming, through Facebook and YouTube and through our, our app, oh God. Touch the listeners that they might be, oh Lord Jesus, impacted by this message. Have your way in me and through me, oh God. Be glorified and exalted and magnified. And in Jesus' name, let the church living God say, amen. You may be seated. We'll be talking today about children. The mouth of babes. And to fully appreciate this text, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to be building a foundation here. And I know that this title doesn't really strike you as something profound or something that is really that important, but I believe that this is a, the word for this hour, for this assembly. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. Jesus is just giving us a very important insight uh, in this text in regards to what it is to really truly be saved, to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says the prerequisite is that we must approach God with the attitude of that of a little child, that except we be, be converted and become as little children, the Bible says, that we will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And we want to uh, analyze some of the characteristics of children, one particularly that Jesus points out firstly and that children are humble, of low rank, and dependent upon the care of another person. That children are helpless. Uh, they are innocent. They require the intervention of a parent or a legal guardian in order to take care of their needs, to feed them, to clothe them, to bathe them. And in that regard, they are humble. They don't really have errors and graces. They don't approach you with pride or some sort of show. They just come to you as they are. It doesn't matter if they've got a poopy diaper or whatever it is, if they're covered in throw up, if they're covered in spit up. These are all things I've experienced this week. <laughs> they don't particularly care. They will just come to you as they are. Another thing about children is that they are incredibly forthright and blunt. They have no problem telling you what they think about how you look or how you smell or, what you, or how you are, your personality. They will tell you right to your face what they think about you. They are quite forthright and blunt in regards to what is going on in the situation or the circumstances. They will call out the elephant in the room. They'll talk about what no one else wants to talk about oftentimes. Thirdly, they have a tendency to tell people everything they know. My daughter is notorious for this. The first thing she does when I come home is tell me everything she did that day. Tell me all the projects she's made and the, the things that she's learned. And daddy, look at this, and I learned about this. And they just start telling you everything that they know. Whenever my children meet a stranger, they immediately just start telling them my entire dossier. Tell me what I ate last night and where I was. And we went to grandma and grandpa's house, and we did this, and we did that. Just start telling the strangers everything that they know. Everything they know. Every single piece of data you could possibly think of. They want to divulge and inform whoever it is they come in contact with regarding what they know. And fourthly, and this is the one that I'm sure all of you parents can understand, is that children are loud and they don't care. They are loud. They're notoriously loud. And they don't care. 
They don't care if we're in a church service. They'll just scream their heads off. They don't care that it's 3 in the morning. They'll yell and scream because they're hungry or because they've made a mess of their diaper or because of you name whatever the thing is. They don't care. They don't care if you're at a wedding. They don't care if you're at a funeral. They don't care if you're in line at Walmart. They don't, they don't care if you're on an important business call. They don't care. They are loud and they don't care. They have no type of understanding of anything else out of their own sphere of influence. And yet Jesus admonishes us to exemplify these characteristics of being one, being humble, primarily humility in order to approach the kingdom of God, but also a forthrightness, an honesty, a bluntness, also being able to tell everyone what we know, everything that we know, and that we're loud and we don't care. Believers in Christ ought to exemplify these characteristics in that whenever we approach God, we should approach Him in humility, with no airs and graces, with no type of show to try to impress or to persuade God into our corner. But we come just as we are, yet without one plea. We come to God even in our sinful state, covered in mess, covered in mistakes, covered in failure, covered in shame, wholly depending upon the mercy and the merits of Christ. Believers in Christ also ought to be forthright and blunt in telling people about Jesus. We ought to be blunt. We should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, nor should we hide the light of the candle of the gospel under a bushel. We should be forthright and blunt and say, thus says the Lord, and tell people the truth. That if you continue to live in these lifestyles, that you will die in your sins. Unless you believe on Christ alone as being the way, the truth, and the life, you will die lost. Children tell people everything they know. And as believer in Christ, we ought to tell everybody everything we know about Jesus. Everything, everything we've gone through. Did you, did you hear what Jesus did for me lately? Did you hear how he saved me? That when I think of the Lord and how he saved me, how he changed me. Tell them everything that we know about Jesus. And we ought to be loud and bold with it and not care what anyone else thinks whenever we start telling people about Jesus. Ironically, these attributes, these characteristics in regards to children, one of the primary desires that adults have, particularly about that last point about being loud, <laughs> one of the main desires of adults in relation to children is that, in general, we want them to be out of the way and we want them to be quiet. It's been said that parents don't care about justice, we just want quiet. I found that to be true as I've raised my own five children. I don't care who hit you. I don't care. Just be quiet and let me just have a moment of peace. We don't always care about fairness. We just, we just want quiet. We just want you to be quiet, look pretty, be silent, stay out of my way, stay out of my business. But it, it's ironic because the nature of children is to be loud. It is for them to just blurt out whatever is on their mind. It is to say whatever is in their heart, to do whatever it is that is in their head. To be quiet and to be silent. And parents and adults, we're always trying to get kids to be, to, to be quiet. With kids, it's everything is up, right? They want to grow up. I can't wait till I grow up. They tell their brothers and sisters to shut up. Dad, can I stay up? It's over. Everything's up, right? With parents, everything is down. Calm down. Quiet down down there. Sit down. Okay, it's time to shut that computer down. Right? We're always trying to shut them down. 
Kids are always trying to be up. They're always trying to express themselves, to be loud, to be boisterous. It's their nature. It's what they're designed to do. But ironically, adults are always trying to suppress this natural inclination of loudness, of boisterousness, of expressiveness. Matthew 19, verse 13, we see an example of this, that children are often of low rank and of insignificance in relation to adult matters. Matthew 19, verse 13, Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands to them and pray. Now look how the disciples respond. And the disciples rebuked them. Quiet down. Shut it down. Sit down. He rebuked them. But Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom. Notice again that Jesus points out. For of such is the kingdom of heaven, the attributes of a child. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. As I've just stated, it is unnatural for children to be silent or to be quiet. And I want to point out something to all of you parents and all of those that have children or work with children. That if a child doesn't want to talk about something, it is because at some level, the subject matter is uncomfortable, painful, or fearful to them in some way. If there's an issue you want to talk to a child about, and they shy away from it, normally it is because of one of those three things. Is that either it makes them uncomfortable, it is painful, or it intimidates them or causes or invokes fear in some way. Because children naturally want to express themselves. They naturally want to tell. They want to talk about whatever it is or make noise. But if they don't, if they naturally don't want to, they shy away. You ask them a question about something. It is because of one of those three things. That they are uncomfortable about the subject. They are afraid it's going to hurt or they have some sort of fear. Now, Matthew 18, the verse that I started off with earlier where Jesus says that except we become converted and become as little children, that we will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He goes on to give a bit more information in regards to children. Look at Matthew 18. Look at verse number 6. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 6. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Jesus gives this admonition. That if one of these little ones, these children are offended, that the, the consequence for the offender would be better if they had a, a rock tied to their neck and they were thrown into the sea because Jesus values children. Jesus looks at them as diamonds. And he says this word, if we offend them. The Greek word there for offense is skandalizo. It's where we get the word for scandal. And the definition, there's several definitions for this word I want to bring to your attention. Number one, that the word scandalizo, the word offense in this text, means to put a stumbling block or impediment in the way upon which another may trip and fall. The second is to entice to sin. Thirdly, to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he out, of, to, out to trust and obey. To, see, uh, 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 to obey, to see another and what I disapprove of and what hinders me from acknowledging his authority. And finally, to cause one to judge unfavorably or unjustly of another. And what I have discovered is this, that the enemy desires one to, just like we adults often do, but in particular with those children that are in the church, that, that the devil wants to silence children. 
And the way that he silences us, or even at any state, as children, even as adults, is with scandalizos, with offenses, with impediments, with blockages, with enticements of sin. He's always attacking the children. You look even throughout history, that you look at how Pharaoh tried to kill Moses by killing all of the, all the children, all the young men. That when it came to Christ's birth, that Satan inspired Herod to kill all of the males, all the boys that were there. You look at all the school shootings that we've been having and how our, this generation is so morally depraved, so despicable in their understanding of or even defining of morality of, or of good or of evil. You look at the, the major issues in our social discourse in regards to abortion that we actually have to convince people that it's wrong to murder your own unborn children because Satan hates children. He is trying to silence the children. And there's a lot of us that we don't talk about these issues that we have in our lives because of these scandals that are there. Remember I said that children don't want to talk about an issue if one, it makes them uncomfortable, two, it hurts in some way, or they're intimidated or they're afraid of something. And what I want to deal with you today are the scandals, the offenses that are in your lives. The things that you don't want to talk about because they make you uncomfortable, they are traumatic or hurtful in some way, or because you're intimidated, embarrassed, or afraid to do so. Because what Satan wants to do is that he wants to silence the mouths of believers. He wants to shut us up that we don't tell other people about Jesus. Children, I want to talk to you though, children who have been abused or traumatized are made silent by their experiences and they often wish to be free but are too scared or hurt to express themselves. The nature of a child is to speak, is to talk, is to make noise is to express themselves. When I see a child that has that unnatural inclination to shy away and not talk about something, that tells me that there's been a trauma that's there. There's a scandal that's there. There is an offense that's there. Something has happened to you that is tripping you up. Every time this subject or this issue comes up, it trips you up. It messes you up. And it causes you to look on other people unfavorably. You now look through the lens of your trauma or of your hurt or your pain or this issue that's there. And because of it, you are falling away. The enemy wants to silence the children. It's a spirit of dumbness. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9, verse 17. I'm going somewhere with this. Bear with me here. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Jesus has just come down from the mountain of transfiguration. He comes down the mountain and he finds a boy possessed of a devil. His apostles, his disciples were incapable of casting out the devil. And the father then brings the child unto Jesus. Mark 9, 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath not noticed this. He hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. 
And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came upon unto him? And he said of a child, he's had this issue since a child. Since he was a child, he has been struck with this dumb spirit that the Bible says it tears him, which means it causes him to go into convulsions, un uncontrollable manifestations of behavior, and tears him apart and causes him to pine away, to gnash his teeth, to foam at the mouth. He says of a, of a child, verse 22, and oftentimes hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said it with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto them, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. This child had a demon spirit that caused him to be dumb, which means he could not speak. He was silent and could not express himself. This spirit was trying to destroy him. It was trying to cast him into the fire and into the water. This spirit was causing him to do things that he could not control because he had experienced a scandalizo, I believe, an offense. And because of that, he was silenced. Now I want to tell you where this message came from. Four days ago, I had a very bizarre dream. The dream started off with me being back in my, my old church back in Michigan, the church that I was born and raised in, the church that I grew up in. And in the church, the church was full of children. And they were all receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It was a beautiful revival. I saw them worshiping, praising God as the power of God fell on them and began to transform their lives. The children that I saw were the children of this church. I saw a revival moving upon the children. A scene change. I'm now in a car. I'm driving down a dark road. It's raining heavily. I come to a T in the road. And across the street is a house. Almost looks like a white farmhouse of some sort. There's one window that has a light on. The, the shades are drawn. And in the window there's a Christmas tree that's there. And the light is flickering. I think this is very strange and bizarre. Another scene changes. I'm now in my bedroom, in my own house. And I open my eyes, and I see my bedroom door opening. And my first thought is, it's one of my kids, because that's what they do. In the middle of the night, they come and get me every night. <laughs> For whatever reason, I'm thirsty, I need to use the bathroom, something hurts, you know. And they've been, they've been fighting sickness during uh, the last few weeks, and so I've been trying to take care of them during the night. That was my first thought. But what stepped through the door was not my child. What stepped through the door was a figure of immense size. He was extremely tall, probably like seven foot seven. He was extremely skinny, very, very slender, had very long arms, and he was dressed in white. His face had large white circles on it. His face was like a ski mask. Imagine like a ski mask being poured over, pulled over your head. And the eyes were black circles and had a mouth like an animal. And immediately I knew that this was a demonic spirit that was coming to attack me. It came to me. It got on my bed and it straddled me and it put its weight on me and it snickered and it laughed in my ears. And then it looked at me and then it took its fingers, its long bony fingers, and it went to its mouth and said, shh. And immediately I wanted to rebuke this thing, but I could not speak. The ability to say words was lost from me. 
All I could do was think. And the first thought that came to me, I said, I curse you in the name of Jesus. You get out of my house and you leave now. But the words would not come. So I kept thinking it harder, trying to say it. And as if I was shouting it, it took all the energy as if I was screaming it. But all I could get out was a whisper. And I said, I curse you in the name of Jesus. Get out of my house and leave this place now. And when I said the words, the spirit dissolved and I woke up. I was puzzled and confused as to what I had experienced. I knew it was demonic, but I didn't understand it. It wasn't until yesterday, as I was writing this message, I was typing out some scriptures, and the Holy Spirit said these words, Look up Slender Man. I said, what's Slender Man? I had heard about this Slender Man, but I didn't know anything about him. I googled Slender Man. I got the first article on Wikipedia popped up. The image I saw was the being that attacked me in my sleep. I want to give you some facts about this Slender Man. The Slender Man is a fictional supernatural character that originated as, as a creepypasta internet meme created by something awful form user Eric Nunson, also as Victor Surge in 2009. He is depicted as a thin, unnaturally tall humanoid with a featureless head and face wearing a black suit. Stories of the Slender Man commonly feature him stalking, abducting, or traumatizing people, particularly children. I was fighting a spirit of child abuse. May 31st, 2014, in Waukesha, Two 12-year-old girls held down and stabbed a 12-year-old classmate 19 times. When questioned later by authorities, they reportedly claimed that they wished to commit a murder as a first step to become proxies for the Slender Man, having read about it online. They also stated that they were afraid that Slender Man would kill their families if they did not commit the murder. After hearing the story of the Slender Man attack in Waukesha, a 14-year-old girl, September 14th, 2014, a 14-year-old girl in Port Richey, Florida, allegedly set her family's house on fire while her mother and 9-year-old brother was inside. Police reported that the teenager had been reading online stories about Slender Man. June 2014, after hearing the story, an unidentified woman from Cincinnati, Ohio, told a WLWT-TV reporter that in June 2014 that her 13-year-old daughter had attacked her with a knife and had written Macrobie Fitch Fiction, which is Macrobie stands for stories that depict death in horrifying and torturous ways, some involving the Slender Man, who the mother said motivated the attack. There is a spirit of abuse that is in this city that I want to deal with today. It's the spirit of this slender man that tries to silence our children, that is attacking this generation, that's to make them dumb, that they won't talk about their abuse. I want to understand, you understand something here. That the greatest ally to an abuser is the victim's silence. And as I said before, it is unnatural for a child not to speak or express himself. If he or she does, it's because he is uncomfortable, he is afraid, or he or she 
is, is hurting in some way. The slender man looked at me and kept trying to shush me not to say anything. Because the moment I opened my mouth and gave confession to the authority of Christ inside of me, he lost his power and was removed. Every abuser wants their victims to remain silent. And who else to keep silent than children? People who are in many ways treated like second class citizens. In many ways who we want to be quiet. We don't want them to talk. We don't want them to be seen. It's the spirit of slender man. During an early 2015 epidemic of suicide attempts by young people ages 12 to 24 on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, Slender Man was cited as an influence. The Ogala Sioux tribe present notated that many Native Americans traditionally believe in a suicide spirit similar to the Slender Man. Other Sioux described the big man as a messenger or a sign, a warning that society is developing in a dangerous direction. Everything that the devil is fighting you with your past, your traumas, your hurts, the things that you're uncomfortable about, they are designed to silence you and to keep you as a victim so that he can continue to abuse you, manipulate you, and coerce you. The way you, be you break the power of an abuser is to open up your mouth and tell somebody about it. I want to go back to my main text here in John 21, Matthew 21, verse 12. I'm going somewhere with this. Thank you, Jesus. The context of this story is that Jesus has just arrived in Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And as he rides through the city, the multitudes begin to cry out to him and to worship him. He then comes to the temple and he does the unthinkable. Matthew 21, verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and brought, bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, and saying Hosanna to the son of David. They were sore displeased. I want to draw your attention to some very interesting things in this text. The priests and the scribes did not express their anger regarding Jesus' healing in the temple as they had in other accounts. When Jesus did miracles in the synagogue, they were mad that he was doing the miracles. Particularly because it was on the Sabbath day. But that is not the case in this, this, this account. They were not mad that Jesus was healing. They didn't necessarily, I mean they were mad, but that, that was not the thing that really got under their skin. The thing that they went to Jesus to complain about was not the healing. It wasn't even that he even turned over the money changers. But it was because of what the children were saying. It was because of what the children were saying. What were the children saying? Hosanna to the son of David. The word Hosanna was the phrase that the people, the multitudes, were crying out as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem in the first place. Go to verse 9 of this same chapter. Matthew 21 verse 9. And the multitudes that went before and followed cried saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
Hosanna. We say the word, but do we really know what it means? We use it as a term of praise and adoration, and it does entail that. But that's not its primary definition. Hosanna literally means save now or save we beseech I pray thee. Keep, preserve. This was the customary form of acclamation at the Feast of Tabernacles. It is both a plea for help or salvation and a cry of adoration. It's both a form of praise, but it's also a form of request and pleading. It's both of them. So they were crying Hosanna, which means to save now. It's a request for deliverance while simultaneously acknowledge Christ's position as a savior. What they were quoting whenever these children were saying this, they're quoting Psalm 18 verse 25. Psalm 118 verse 25 says, save now. The Hebrew there is Yasha. That's where we get, that's where we get the word Hosanna. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. This word means savior, deliverer, preserve, salvation, avenging, defense, rescue. Jesus defends the children's cry and explains to the chief priests and the scribes that God has blessed or ordained what they are saying. They were mad not so about the money changes. They were they're upset also about the healing. But what really made them mad was the children making noise. They were trying to silence the children. Trying to keep their mouths shut. Look at verse 16, my main text. Look what the scribes say. Matthew 21, 16. And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? Look what they're saying, Jesus. Aren't you going to shut them up? What they're crying, Hosanna to the son of David? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? He responds to them, with this amazing phrase. I want to break this down because I believe right here is where we're going to experience some deliverance. He said, out of the mouth of babes and suckings thou hast perfected praise. The Greek word there for perfected is karatizo. It means to perfect, to make perfect, to mend, fit, frame, prepare, restore, perfectly joined together. In Galatians chapter 6, Verse 1, it says, if a, brother, if a brother be overtaken with a fault, ye which are spiritual, cartatizo, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. The same word that's used to describe someone who's, who's sinned or been overtaken by sin is the same word that Jesus is using to describe what, the, what these children were doing to praise and to worship. He said, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou perfected praise. Now I want you to understand something here. Go to Psalms 8-2. Jesus was quoting an Old Testament psalm in rebuttal to these, these scribes and Sadducees, these chief priests, and trying to shut the kids up. Psalms 8-2 says this, that out of the mouths and babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. Jesus translates ordained strength to perfecting praise. That the sound that the children are making and crying Hosanna is a cry of strength that is ordained of God. That whenever they were praising God, there was strength that was there. But now look what happens here in the rest of the verse. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies. That thou mightest still or silence the enemy, and the avenger. Instead, he says, you're trying to shut them up, but their praise is actually shutting you up. 
because they can see what you cannot see that I am the son of David that I am the Messiah I am the way the truth and the life I am the only one that can rescue you these children are crying out Hosanna to for salvation and as I said before the devil wants nothing more than to shut your mouth because if you cry out to your daddy your daddy gonna show up and deal with the bully your daddy's gonna remove the abuse it's gonna give you liberation he said out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength out of your mouth when you begin to praise God and tell somebody what God did for you how God brought me out of child molestation how God brought me out of rape how God delivered me from drugs how God delivered me out of abandonment when you start opening your mouth the enemy can no longer do anything the abuser has lost his power the abuser has lost his power It's out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. God is wanting to restore the cry of his children, the cry of Hosanna, the cry of deliverance, the cry of adoration, the cry of salvation, the cry of being rescued and redeemed and forgiven of all of my trespasses and all of my sin, removing all of my shame and all of my guilt and all of my pain. It's out of your mouth. The devil wants nothing more than to keep you silent about what you have suffered. The devil wants nothing more than to prevent you from crying out. It's that slender man, that dumb spirit that's trying to shut you up. But I'm going to give God all the praise. I'm going to open my mouth as loud as I can and let everybody know. The word there in Psalms 8 too, where the word that's translated strength, the word that Jesus calls praise in the New Testament, the Hebrew word there is oz for strength, which means strong power, might, boldness. I want to give you two examples. Two examples of this word being used. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles 30, verse 21. 2 Chronicles 30, verse 21. This is during the time of Hezekiah. They, the nation is experiencing revival. They had forsaken and abandoned God, and now they are coming back to God and is now celebrating the feast of the Passover again. Second Chronicles 30, verse 21. And the children of Israel that were present at Jerusalem keep, kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with loud oz, instruments unto the Lord. The word strength there is, it also means loud, boisterous. Second Samuel chapter 6 verse 14 and David danced before the Lord with all his oz all of his might that word there where it says that thou hast ordained strength or oz thou hast ordained might thou hast ordained dancing all everything that you have God has ordained that in your praise I want us to analyze the story here that we have read the account of Jesus defending the children, defending the helpless, in that we see here in this account, that firstly, when Jesus is, is talking about this, the first thing he does is he comes to the temple. 
and he throws out the money changers and those that were stealing and those that were abusing the things that were in the temple. I want to hear, sir, if you notice today that God is here to throw out the money changers in your life. The ones that have abused you, the ones that have manipulated you, the ones that have coerced you, the ones that have oppressed you, the ones that have suppressed you. He's here to turn over some tables and cast those jokers out of your life. He wants you to know that no one has power over you but the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm here to turn over some tables today. Secondly, that what Jesus did is that he healed the lame and the blind, those who were helpless, those who could not see, those who could not move. God is saying unto you, children, that not only do I want to remove the abuser from you, but I want to heal your malady. I want to remove your ailment. I want to open your eyes to see my glory. I want to put a dance in your step to the lame so you can go tell the story of how I saved you and raised you to glory. If you would just allow me to do so, he healed the lame and the blind and then after he healed the lame and the blind the children began to cry Hosanna and look what the Lord has done it is marvelous in our eyes this is the Lord's doing it is marvelous in our eyes so number one God wants to deal with the abuse secondly he wants to heal the abuse and thirdly he wants you to open up your mouth and praise and tell somebody about the goodness of God out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength You cannot be silent about the abuse any longer. You cannot keep this a secret any longer. I know you don't want to talk about it. I know it makes you uncomfortable. I know it's hurtful and it's traumatic. I know that it scares you. You're intimidated. What if someone judges me? What if I'm embarrassed? Who cares? Last I checked, they didn't die on a cross for you. Last I checked, there's only one guy that died on the cross for me, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus tells me that I've got to open my mouth and I've got to praise him. I've got to tell somebody about what the Lord has done in my life. Let's stand. I want to fight against the spirit of Slender Man. I'm here to challenge the spirit of abuse that has kept its victims silent. That's put a gag order over their mouths. They make them feel that they can't tell anybody. That if I do, that, that this spirit, this abuser is going to come and kill me or hurt me or my family. That if I do, I'll be hated and rejected and isolated. That if I do, I'll be embarrassed, I'll be ashamed and thrown out. The devil is a lie. God is here with open arms. To take out the money changers. Those who've been abusing the system. He's here to heal the lame and the blind. And he's here to fill your mouth. With a testimony of the goodness of God. This altar call is going to happen in two waves. As I saw in my dream, I want to start with this altar call. My dream started off with the children crying and praising God I would like all the children to come to this altar I want to lay my hands on you I want to bless you I want to speak God's protection over you because the enemy desires to sift you as wheat this is the next church that you're looking at right here this is the next generation 
And the enemy wants to shut their mouths and keep them quiet. But it's out of the mouths of babes and sucklings that God has ordained strength, perfected, restored praise. The second wave of this altar call will be those of you who have been traumatized by the spirit of abuse. That God is wanting to take away the money changers, heal your lameness, your blindness, and then fill your mouth with praise to shut up all those who have accused you, those who have made fun of you, those who have mocked you, who do not understand your pain, who do not understand the things that you have suffered with. God is wanting to bring you healing today and bring forth praise out of your mouth. I want to first pray for the children all over this house. Let's begin to pray in the spirit. The Holy Ghost is wanting to do something here. I thought something this week that was as insidious and sinister as anything that you can imagine. A spirit that preys on the helpless. A spirit that desires to destroy this generation. And I'm here to serve you notice as a father and as a man of God I stand against him to drive off the spirit of slender man, the spirit of abuse and to bring healing in the name of Jesus. All over this house, begin to pray for your children. Cover them. Cover them. That God would fill their mouths with his word. That God would fill their mouths with his spirit. And that he'd protect them from the spirit of abuse. All over this house, begin to lift up your hands and praise and begin to pray for your children. In the name of Jesus, I'm coming to lay hands. I want to lay hands on every child in this place. In this place, God is wanting to bring healing and restoration to you here.